I heard a great proverb the other day that was, all mushrooms are edible, but some are only edible once. Never forget that you have the tools to build a life on your own terms. Forget the haters. This is Founder Quest. And I've got to tell you guys, like, this was just, I don't know, this kind of makes up for the rest of 2020 for me personally. But when I took all this equipment that I had bought for the fiber optic link between my house and the new office, and I hooked it up to the cable that had been like buried by electricians who didn't really know what they were doing regarding, you know, fiber. And I hooked everything up. It just all worked the first wow. time. Wow. <laughs> like that, that wasn't, that was the most, this is the most amazing thing. Like this is, that's what I need to get me through the rest of this year. For real. I'm just going to think back to that golden moment. Yeah. <laughs> I still can't get anything but Comcast here. And, uh, and on top of that, we can barely breathe now because of the, uh, the smoke <laughs> levels outside. Uh, I, I see the window behind you. It looks kind of... Can you see that? I can see it, yeah. It, it is daytime right now. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> it is so dark. Oh uh, my gosh. <laughs> I, read, I read that yesterday. It was so bad in San Francisco that the birds didn't even realize it was daytime. Really? Yeah. All the poor birds. Yeah, none of the roosters are crowing either. Yeah. I've just got to say that like, like Coit Tower in San Francisco is made for these like, apoc- uh, like apocalyptic, like red oh. sky pictures. Is that really Some, like pointy tower? Yeah. Did you see the drone footage that someone um, yeah, that was awesome. did with uh, the, what, was it Blade Runner or what was, uh-huh. yeah, the soundtrack? Yep. Oh, I need to find that. The air quality it's been frustrating for me this week because you know i got my new kayak and i was on vacation i was like yes i'm gonna paddle like every day all day long and no i did not paddle every day all day long oh that's frustrating yeah. well i was thinking about you this week well how is it up there anyway because i was like if if like you all are dealing with any of the stuff that we have down here like i wouldn't want to be out on a river <laughs> right yeah, now well Earlier in the week, we were getting easterly winds, so we were getting smoke from the fires in eastern Washington. And yeah. so our air quality index was hovering in the low 100s, so 100 to 120-ish in my neck of the woods. And then as of last night, now we're getting southerly winds, so now we're getting the California and Oregon smoke. So mm-hmm. uh, now it's gone up, I think we're around the 200-ish neighborhood. So yeah, like... Every day I was hoping the next day would be a little bit better and, and every day it wasn't. So finally yeah. on Thursday, I'm like, I'm just going. So I just went and, you know, luckily didn't get overwhelmed by all the smoke. I was able okay. to successfully complete the, the maiden voyage of the kayak. So. Did you enjoy? It was, yeah, was it a good, yeah. was a good paddle? Yeah, it was nice. That's nice. great. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. It's like not, it's, it's hazy here and sort of unpleasant to breathe the air mm-hmm. but it's not um it's, it doesn't have like like the same like world is ending vibes that are in oregon and like san francisco yeah apparently um you know mike param he, he was telling me that the air quality index inside his house is uh, over 300 oh wow yeah and they are how is he they are headed that? they Do are headed little... north <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's yeah he's got like a little uh i don't know it's a like little a, a, a little meter yeah oh that's so cool 
Yeah, I, I want one now. Cause <laughs> you can, like, uh, I found that you can buy them from Purple Air. Oh, really? Really? PurpleAir.com. Yes. They have both internal and external monitors, and they have a crowdsourced map of your local neighborhood air quality, assuming that someone in your neighborhood has one of their Interesting. devices. Okay. Oh, that's, yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't really know anything about air quality, like measuring air quality before. Like, we've never really, well, like, our air has always been pristine, so... <laughs> Yeah, you know, when you when you live in, in Washington State, it's like, yeah, air's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it just sort of comes in from the ocean and it's always <laughs> it's always fresh. But apparently, like if the air over the ocean is full of smoke, then you just yeah. We just <laughs> had a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know the worst part about all this is that like it could not stop raining this spring, like when we were all, you know, like stuck quarantined inside. It it just would not stop raining. And now we're stuck inside due to the smoke and we just wish it would rain because, you know, it would dampen everything and right. it just won't rain. <laughs> it's really uh, doing the opposite. Yeah. Well, fortunately, I, um, I bought a bunch of uh, respirator type masks, not the cloth masks. And mm. they actually, like, if you wear one of those, you can't actually smell smoke in the air outside. So... Oh. Yeah, so we just ordered a hundred more of those just to have stockpile. Yeah, so and you look like really cool when you go for your daily walks. Yes, and <laughs> you know, so I wear the i I use the respirator type mask like the um they're not N95 they're KN95 oh. by I guess a reputable company that's been like approved for use by the FDA for medical stuff or something. And so they're, they're like legit good masks and I tend to wear them like whenever I go into enclosed spaces yeah, or anywhere outside now, I guess everywhere now, (laughs) but I always wonder, it's like, do people think that like, I'm, I'm too bougie because of my, my masks (laughs) that I special ordered? Like, do they think I'm like putting on airs? Well, because I mean, I, maybe if you lived outside of Seattle, yeah, I don't know. There's got to be other, there's got, there, you gotta, you gotta have some, uh, fellow like mask, like bougie mask wearers yeah. that you, you meet on the street and kind of just like, you know, quite like quietly nod to. You, you t- oh, totally. <laughs> All you gotta do is like get some big baggy pants and big old boots, strap a keyboard across your back. And then you'll be all <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, you know, Blade Runner, like cyberpunk. 2020 nomad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I've read a lot of cyberpunk literature and I don't really want to live in any of those worlds. So, <laughs> so no thank you. Yeah. But one thing I do like about these masks, and I'm putting the, the link um, to put in the show notes in case anybody wants them because like it's kind of hard to find a decent like like place that's selling masks for not a million dollars, even though it's not really on topic for the podcast. But one thing I like about these is like, the American masks, like the N95 ones, tend to be kind of like shaped like a clamshell, right? They sort of like are this little round, like it's like a wearing, wearing a bowl on your face. Mm-hmm. But these K95 masks are much more pointy in the front and it almost gives off kind of like a Plague Doctor vibe. Mm. Yeah. I like a, a sort like of that. miniature version of that. You see, my problem with the, the normal N95 masks is that my face is already shaped like a bowl. And so, oh yeah, it's yeah. It just does, they don't really fit very well. I mean, both stack, <laughs> right? 
yeah they just need to be like the proper relative size and i'm um, just uh it's it's all off i got a got a big head <laughs> <sighs> well so what do you all want to like talk about i don't know i was interested to see how ben's vacation was going vacation's um, been sounds awesome. like it's I going good it's yeah aside from you know being locked indoors because the smoke has been great uh, <laughs> i think i i think i need to take another week though because do over kind of thing right yeah. Oh, yeah when the air gets better you should definitely do that <laughs> i mean seriously yeah like <laughs> i've actually managed to not do any work aside from one one hour thing where i was just kind of doing some research on something that was mm-hmm. just kind of strange. oh really yeah yeah I've, it's been amazing awesome have we just had not a ton of tickets because i've been like checking the tickets <laughs> diligently and there's really haven't been many when i've logged in or maybe josh has been taking care of them all i don't know i've been knocking them out in the mornings but it hasn't been too bad i don't know the ones that have come in yeah it seems like it's been kind of a slow week i mean i've done a number of tickets but it's it hasn't been like i don't know i think i've probably done like i don't know six to ten something like that thank you for managing that yeah yeah i've been doing a lot of reading a lot of sci-fi so read um irobot and got started on foundation awesome oh how do you like how are you liking those yeah i'm loving them that's great stuff i read the the fourth book of the murderbot series which is uh fantastic you should definitely check that out the first first three are novellas and the fourth is an actual novel Hmm. so they're quick reads and they're fun basically if you're not familiar with murderbot it's set in a future where there is sentient ai and uh, murderbot is what's called a sec unit security unit so basically mm-hmm. murderbot is a hybrid robot human with some human organs and such and basically the the job of the of the second unit is to guard colonists as they go and colonize planets so mm. this uh i don't want to give a lot of the story away but this second unit has adventures and you get to follow along and it's 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 a lot of fun so you should definitely check it out i was i was gonna ask like how they get past the first law of robotics ah yes um <laughs> you know because bots aren't supposed to murder people but i guess by by making like a a, a bot human hybrid like it's a human it's a human parts that do the murder <laughs> yeah well their job is to defend other humans so if they have to kill a human to defend a human well then it's okay right oh yeah that's a slippery slope that's a pretty slippery slope yeah yeah and okay so you've got a trolley and <laughs> <laughs> And that's the iRobot. If you haven't read that, that's, you know, we toss around these first laws, you know, these laws of robotics and stuff, and that's where they were created, right? Mm -hmm. And the book does a great job of dealing with some of those interesting dilemmas that can come from these, these laws that they have to abide by and interacting with them. And it's a, it's, it's not a long read. So if you haven't, if you haven't read it, it's a classic and you should definitely check it out. iRobot, you mean? Yeah. 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 I, I haven't read that one. I have to do that. I did. I finished the first book of The Expanse, though, and that was a uh, that was fun. Yeah, those are fun. Yeah, I do wish I do wish I had uh, read the book before watching the series. Even though like the book was really like it had a lot more detail, so it was still a fun read. But I just I hate having the picture like you know picturing the characters in my head when mm-hmm. you already know them. It's hard to get that image out. Oh yeah, that's yeah. why I still haven't watched the Magician series because I've I really like the Magicians yeah. um, like book series and I saw the preview on Netflix. And I'm just like, no, that's not that's not who those people are. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah i don't know i don't know how i feel about like even like even like the like the lord of the rings like as much as i like those as much as like they were really well done like i still wonder sometimes if i wish that they had never been made just because i loved the book so much as a kid yeah and like i love the movies like they're awesome but yeah it's you feel like you lose a little bit of something like you lose something when someone else interprets it for you i've got to ask y'all do you all ever when you're reading a book do you ever like in your mind's eye sort of like cast different people from like different parts of your life like as a character in a book no and no no No, do you do this that's that's kind of like i kind of want to now (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's unconscious but yeah i was just thinking about the because of the the magicians uh there's this one there's this one character alice and i realized as i was reading the magicians it's like oh like like alice is this person i knew in high school <laughs> and it's like it's it's not the same person but in terms of like you know uh, yeah. like what she looks like what what her mannerisms are her general like vibe and background mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's interesting i don't know like i i have trouble like i don't i don't know like the way i visualize it's like it's not like I have trouble visualizing things like, like ex- extremely clearly. So I don't know if I'd like relate it to someone specific, like an image or something. I learned recently that, um, that some people do not have an internal monologue, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Like I, I just, it's like you assume, um, I'm not, I don't want to, I, I'm assuming you'll have internal monologues, but if you don't like the no judgment, I'm just, uh, I don't know. You just assume that everybody works like you and then it doesn't happen. That I'm way. glad, I'm glad you said that star because before that my internal monologue was judging you and, uh, <laughs> but you're, you're good now for, <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm reading like five history books right now for some reason. And, uh, it's, it's getting, I believe that reason is because you're taking a history course. <laughs> well, that, that's a, that's a big part of it, but I was also reading like history books for fun before that. And those are still ongoing. So now I have like, like my, you know, I don't know if you have like, um, if you ever like differentiate between like week and weekend reading, like, like I'll have my, you know, like not necessarily workbooks, but books that I are more for like, just like development of knowledge or things that I want to have read that I I'm kind of like making myself read and then books that I'm like really excited about. And sometimes I'll save those, you know, I'll do, I'll read those. So I'll switch my books on the weekend and read the, you know, whatever the fun books are. Well, they've converged. So they're all the same at this point. (laughs) It's good when you can enjoy your work. Yeah. But I am really enjoying the history class still. And, um, it's, it's been a lot of fun and it's also nice being self-paced because like in a normal class, like college class, I don't know. I always like, I never, I was always like intimidated by the pressure of like having to get the work done by, you know, you have to get it done by the deadline and then move on. And there's no, you know, there's no room. Like, like for instance, if you, if you actually got interested in a topic and wanted to go like down a rabbit hole for a little while, like you'd, you don't have the time, but in a, like a self-paced online course, you can kind of like, if you, if something really strikes you, you can go like, you can pause for a week and go read another, you know, some other book on it or something. Mm-hmm. So I highly rec- recommend it if uh, you ever feel like taking a course, but not 
actually taking a course. Yeah. Maybe that's how I can get my law degree. I'll do it all online. Oh, there you go. I've been look, like, I don't know, for, like for some reason, like earlier this year, I, I really started thinking about going back or like finishing my degree mm-hmm. um, because I have like a half completed computer science degree. And um, I wouldn't, I don't, I decide I, pr- I wouldn't go back for computer science because for some reason I'm just like, I don't, I'm already doing well enough without <laughs> a computer science degree. So there's more, there's other things I'm more interested in because, and this would be purely for, I guess, just for selfish fun reasons. It's, there's a lot of options online, especially like this year, things are shifting. It seems to where I think we're going to have a lot more options in the future. So maybe you will get your law degree. I, I did learn that um, history major majors are are uh, common for for law like pre law though Ben. So if I did get a history degree, then then we could both be lawyers someday. <laughs> we could start a honey badger oh law God. practice. Well, you know, when we start our honey badger commune, we're going to have to have politicians, right? So wait, what? <laughs> What, don't we, don't we like, um, don't we send all of them to the guillotine? <laughs> like what? Yeah. I thought we were, we we're getting away from them. That's why I did the commune. So that actually reminds me of another book, The Dispossessed. So The Dispossessed is a novel about a group of people that they're, they're humans that are on a planet orbiting Tau Ceti. And they basically like, historical to this character, like 170 years back or something, the, the, the splinter group left the main population and, and moved to the moon, basically, this planet's moon, and started, started like this, this communal living experiment where basically they're all anarchists. And I really enjoyed the book's description of their society. Ursula Kayla Gwynn, I'm not sure how you pronounce the name, but uh, she goes to I think great lengths to describe like it's a, it's a utopia, but it's not perfect. So it's like, it's not really utopia. Right. But it's the idea is like, Oh, this is, this is a a utopian novel, but it shows some of the downsides of what you might find in any society. Right. And so I I liked, because, you know, I think some of the utopian novels get a little tired after all. It's like, Oh yeah, everything's wonderful and blah, blah, blah. But this one is, I like the, the, trying to bring some realism to the idea of, okay, well, what if we had this ideal community? What would it look like? Okay. And then now what might be some of the problems? And in this case, some of the problems are like the, and this, my, my comment about needing a politician for a commune comes from this because one, one of the, one of the problems that arises in this community, even though they're anarchists and they're basically all looking out for just the welfare of the community, still that generates over time that generates some habits some uh, bureaucracies even. And the uh, main character is basically the story is rebelling against this, what has come to be a government, even though they don't believe in government. So <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it sounds, uh, that sounds plausible. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a fun read. So yeah. It's, mm. That makes sense. It's, it's, yeah. it's interesting to think about this stuff for when our grandchildren are running Honey Badger. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when they yeah. look up at those bronze statues of the three of us um, <laughs> and think, God, what would they do? You know, they were so wise. Mm-hmm. Or maybe as they're rising up from the ashes of the society that fell apart in 2020 due to climate change and, and uh, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> oh, none of that stuff's That's... real. <laughs> so, 
59. <laughs> we'll see. I'll jump um, in with my books. I recently um, finished the Neapolitan Quartet of Novels by Elena Ferrante. And these were really, these came out, I don't know, five or six years ago and were super, you know, everybody gushed over them, you know, rightfully because they're super good. But yeah, the novel, the, the novels basically like trace the, um, sort of traces friendship and of these two, um, these two, you know, girls who grow up to be women and they're in Italy and it sort of traces their friendship throughout their lives. And it's really interesting. It's sort of like as a side thing, it's not really like a main, um, it's not, it's not really something that gets really discussed in a lot of detail, but one of the, um, women is basically sort of like an early programmer of, uh, you know, IBM mainframes Mm -hmm. and sort of starts a, uh, I guess a, a startup. And I didn't even know this going into it, but it was, that's kind of, that was kind of interesting to see. So it's a startup book. Is it's what a, you're yeah, saying. totally startup book. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, the first one's called My Brilliant Friend. Um, and yeah, the first two books in the series are like great. The third book, I, I was like, I've got to read this, but I really am hating everything the characters are doing. And then the fourth book, it was like, ah, uh, so, you know, I don't know. Maybe the first two books I would, I would recommend. And then just dip your toe in the third and see if you like it. Yes. Cool. Well, speaking speaking of startup books, so I also read recently the Unicorn Project. Mm, yeah, that's the, a good one. Yeah, the sequel to the Phoenix Project. Yeah. So I couldn't relate to it a whole lot because, like the Phoenix Project, it's all about big business and uh, oh, yeah, you know, and how IT and ops and stuff work inside very large organizations, which which we are not. But it was a fun yeah. story anyway, just like the Phoenix Project was. It was I like I really like how that particular author structures the lessons learned around a narrative mm-hmm. and uh you know i don't typically want that in my business books usually i want something that's a little drier and just to the point like the tiny mba that we talked about last week but in in this case i think it works because the story is is good enough yeah and the story like helps i like how it helps um kind of put you because like you said it's not like relatable um to us like from experience so it kind of gives you that experience of living through what it's like to to work in a large enterprise like that because i don't ever i well i guess never say never but i don't expect to ever have that experience (laughs) specifically but it's important to understand especially you know for our business uh obviously (laughs) you want to know it puts us inside of our potential customers too so any kind of like book that can like put you in someone else's shoes in like business or industry. I like, I like those kind of books. Yeah. Maybe we should make one like that is relatable to our size of business. And we could like call it the, the Jabberwocky project. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Or the lemur project because everybody loves lemurs, right? You should totally write that book star. I would read it. I didn't know lemurs were mythical. The lemur project. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right. These are mythical creatures. I forgot about that. I I thought phoenixes and unicorns were real. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. My worldview is crushed. <laughs> well, Phoenix, Arizona is real. So. True. I've been there. Yeah. I think the, the next business book I read will be, I haven't uh, gone through tiny MBA yet. So I'll, I'll still got that on my desk. I'll be getting to that at some point. I, I, I think like five, 
five to six books is definitely like normal. Like I used to be like one book, like, you know, like single threaded reader just because I used to like, well, before that I'd just, you know, have a bunch of books and not read none of them. So I decided like, if I'm going to get through books, I have to just focus on one, get it done and then not let myself start another one. Um, and then I got really good at that. So then I went back to the old approach where I could have like a couple different threads going, but I'm, I'm reaching the limit now. So yeah. Do you want to hear some history books that I'm reading in case? Of course. Uh, yeah. Cause I don't think I've ever, I haven't actually like named any of them. I've been reading the federalist papers for like way too long. Like I'm, I've been trying to read that book my entire adult life. <laughs> okay. Like for a long time, like I just wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't like at the level of reader to like have the patience to get through it, I think. But I'm on this morning. I finished Federalist 76 of 85. And so I'm almost done it, that one in particular, since it's like kind of a primary source, you know, like if, if you don't know what they are, they're papers written by Alexander Hamilton, James Madison and John Jay in 1788 in favor of like ratifying the uh, constitution of the United States. And so it's kind of like it, each one, there's 85 of them. And each one is kind of like a paper. It was like a, like a newspaper article, but they were published at the time kind of as like a, um, and I didn't actually know this until recently, but it was kind of, it was really like, kind of like a pitch or an advertisement. Um, so there's a little bit of like, you can't like necessarily read them completely at face value. Like there's a little bit of like propaganda going on in there for two. Um, they were, they were hyping it up. They were hype. Yeah. They were hyping the constitution basically, but it's really interesting because it goes through like point by point, like arguing, like the specific details of like every little decision that went into the document, but it's a really good, it's a really good, like slow, slow read. Like I wouldn't want to sit down and read this thing cover to cover in a few weeks. Like, I don't know if you could, but it's like, I've, I found like reading one, I read like one a day and just kind of spread it out. But yeah, I'm almost through that. And then, um, this class I'm taking, there's a few books, but, um, one is, uh, radicalism of the American revolution by Gordon Wood, which has been uh, pretty interesting so far, kind of like, I don't know, like the, I'm only like five chapters in, but like the, the general idea is like, you think they're radicals, but it's not necessarily for the same reasons that, that you, you thought it, they were much more British than a lot of people. A lot of people think so and the actual like act of rebelling from britain was almost like like a pretty english thing to do so that wasn't necessarily radical in itself but it was really like you know you've heard the quote like the revolution happened in the minds of the people it's kind of along those lines where it wasn't necessarily the actual act of like the the revolutionary war it was like the larger the larger like sea change shift that happened in the people over, over the like, whatever years of interim years. So that's interesting. Um, and then the textbook is actually really good. That goes with this class, which is called uh, major problems in the area in the era of the American revolution. It has a lot of like, just, it's like a collection of primary sources. So you get to read like the perspective of all the different people at the time. Um, from the era, like how that, and even it might just be like, like someone's diary, like their day to day, like, like the unicorn project, but for <laughs> colonists. So yeah. And I'm also reading a biography of Hitler because I mean, 2020, it just seems like a good, 
you know, like demagoguery is a good thing to study right now. So <laughs> that's like my weekend book. And I guess, yeah, I'm so surprised like I'm not more depressed, or... but <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, if you know, if you haven't ever studied like Hitler and the era, like it's, I don't know, it's really, it's, it is really interesting of how like societies shift to embracing something that, you know, that terrible and radical and, and all the political and, you know, and cultural trends that kind of go along with it that aren't really specific to the era. It's not, you know, like there, there are very, there are definitely things that were specific to the era, but then there's also things that you can pull out and be like, oh, like, okay, we have that going on today for sure. If you put it all together, you'd probably have end up with some kind of similar result. Luckily, there are definitely things that are not happening. <laughs> other trends that are not happening currently, which gives me some hope, <laughs> but it's, you know, it gives you things to watch out for. So do you feel like this has been a good use of your time, like taking this class? I mean, in times where you're not sure what the heck is going on, like uh, there, nothing helps better than, than more perspective. So uh, like it's, it sure, it definitely beats reading the news. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, there's a quote, I don't know who said this, but, uh, it's like, and I, I'm sure I'm butchering it cause I don't remember it exactly, but it's basically like history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it rhymes. Yeah. And, I love that uh, quote. Yes. Yeah, so I, I love, I love studying like these, these people and their lives. And I, I was reading the George Washington book by Ron Chernow recently mm -hmm. and, uh, covering all that same time period and, and seeing the seeing as it progresses, like these Federalist Papers, you know, that they dripped out, right? As, and there were responses to criticisms about, we don't want a, a strong federal government. We're afraid of having, you know, a strong centralized government. We just got away from that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, even Madison turned away from his uh, support of the, of the strong federal government over time and came more aligned with Jefferson's views, but. Right. And that was like the falling out with Hamilton, I think. Right. Yeah. 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 And as you, as you read their experiences and their opinions as time went by you get to see like oh yes it does echo some of the things that we're we're seeing today in our environment and you can definitely yeah get some perspective from them yeah that's that's i think that's that's one of the major shifts that uh has been like that has stuck out to me is like the idealized view that you get kind of if you just like studied you know if you got american history in college or, or i mean in high school or like you know, took a college class or something like it's, you kind of get this image that like, it wasn't, you know, it was like an ideal time or something. And like things today are just completely, you know, things have shifted to be terrible today um, in politics. And it was, it's never, it was just as it, they, they were dealing with just the, as uh, you know, major issues back then, if not worse, like, you know, they had to deal with monarchy <laughs> on top of it. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's all, it's very similar dynamics. Um, and like you said, it's not, yeah, it doesn't repeat, but it's definitely similar themes and like similar, well, people, humans put in similar situations tend to behave in similar ways. And, you know, you have similar outcomes in some cases. So I don't know, politics has not changed all that much. You can see like pretty pretty clear consequences too from those arguments because I mean there are a couple of issues in 
America right now where a strong federal response would be quite helpful. Right. <laughs> and we just haven't quite seen that. And we are suffering because of it. And that's not, that's not necessarily an argument one way or the other, but it's definitely, it's definitely a consequence. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, similarly, a, a while ago, I read like a history of banking or finance or something like that or central banks. And it was talking about how uh, like America um, in the, around the turn of the century, I think, I think that's the time we're talking about the turn of the previous century, not, not the odds was just having, it was just the economy was constantly in this boom bust cycle. It was very um, unstable Mm -hmm. and European economies had had this basically worked out. They didn't have these boom bust cycles. And the reason was, is that they figured out, hey, we can make a central bank and set monetary policy and that will prevent these things. And so, like, I think if I'm remembering this correctly, I think like one of the things that spurred the creation of the Fed, which isn't really a central bank in, you know, the way that other countries have, like, it's this weird, like, it's weird, like public it's private like, system. Yeah. It's like yeah. a private sector made up of 20 different regional banks and yeah like like that came about because essentially like there was a sort of man-made um famine in america and essentially the reason for that was that well you know food production it was all domestic back then pretty much and when it was time to harvest the crops, what the, the farmers would do is they would go to the bank and they would take out a loan and they would use the loan to pay their workers to, you know, um, pick the crops. And then they would go and sell the crops and then pay back the loan. Um, but the thing is, they were on the gold standards. So the banks had to have gold in their vaults to equal the, you know, amounts of loan that were, so were given out or something like that. And they, somebody like, I don't know, something happened and they didn't distribute gold. Like the banks didn't have enough gold, so they couldn't get off, give out the loans. So the crops rotted in the fields and people <laughs> couldn't eat. Uh-huh. And then like, it's, it was, it's that, it, like it took that sort of magnitude of event for people, for Americans to get over their reluctance to trust national systems. And even then they were like, well, okay, but we've got to have, we can't just have a national bank. It's got to be this like, you know, weird Rube Goldberg machine to convince ourselves it's not really a national bank. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The whole like federal, non-federal debate has been like, yeah, happening since, since our founding for sure. And maybe we'll never end. I I mean, I, I don't think it will ever end. Well, we have, we have fresh fodder for that debate now, you know, like the whole managing elections, managing right. emergency response, you know, a number, like, yeah. like Stark said, a number of things recently could be better handled by having a more centralized, stronger federal government, even that we have today. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of, one of the things that does seem to be different today, and it might not be, it might just be that there's so much more noise and we've like literally have like every piece of information that anyone, like anything anyone is saying at this moment is being like, you know, dumped online and shoveled into our brains or whatever. But I do appreciate the, uh, you know, some of the like actual policy debates that you read from that era, like, and even like, well, if you look like, you know, the, the early presidents were the same people who wrote the, 
you know, wrote a lot of the constitution. They were lawyers, a lot of them and, and other similar professions. So their ability to actually like talk and, and like, you know, work through issues logically and speak about the actual policy instead of being politicians. And like, there was definitely like, there was that, there was definitely like politicking, but like political campaigning was not really like, it's not like it was like it is today. And it would, I'd, I'd just be like shocked today, for instance, if we had um, like president of the United States who like actually like wrote a well-reasoned piece about, you know, like constitutional law, for example, um, which did happen back then because they were capable of it. And, uh, and it was, imp- you know, it was, I guess it was a lot smaller society too. So there was, there were fewer people working on that stuff. But I do appreciate that from the time. And again, it might just be that, you know, those are the things that survived. And so I'm, I'm assuming like, you know, not everyone was reading these things necessarily, but it would be nice if people actually like talked about the issues and like kept the politics a little bit more, yeah. you know, to the side. I mean, I think but, people still like, they still can. Like I think Barack Obama and I think Bill Clinton like yeah. constitutional law. So I'm sure they could like talk about it, but yeah, it, but they, just, like, they did it. Like, that's just yeah. not the, yeah. Well, yeah, but they wouldn't have gotten elected then. Cause that's not how the right. system works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what it's I'm like saying. We, it's just like, <laughs> we kind of like put the founding, like that we put the, the people who made the constitution like up on this pedestal without necessarily realizing that it's like, okay, well they kind of like invented the system that we're living in now. So, you know, not saying like I would have done any better, but like that, you know, they created the circumstances in which this thing that we have now evolved. So they're not like completely, I don't know, they're not completely blameless for the current oh, situation. Yeah, I'm abs- yeah, I'm absolutely not like, I'm not trying to talk them up at all. I'm just saying like, if more people wrote to even today about major issues, like I, fine. Like if you give your like, whatever, like stump speech or something, and you don't have to like, you know, go through like the finer points of like public policy or something, or like even major, you know, I would hope you would cover major issues, but th- that doesn't seem to be the case, but you know, just like, maybe you could like write a medium <laughs> article or something. <laughs> this this um, is one of the things that really impressed me about Elizabeth Warren. One of the things yeah. I liked about her is that she took the time Same. to and thought out those kinds of things, you know, and, and not that every politician has to be like Elizabeth Warren and has to have this great resource of, you know, thought, but more of that would, I think, definitely be useful or at least more valuing of that would definitely be useful. Like George Washington wasn't a lawyer, right? Wasn't mm-hmm. a great thinker necessarily as far as like like Hamilton was or Madison was or Jefferson right but he appreciated all of those thoughts all of those writings that came from those people and that's you know he had Hamilton and Jefferson both in his cabinet you know who went Mm -hmm. into his throats because they were ideologically on other side on opposite sides of issues right but he he valued the exchange of ideas and the the effort and the thought that went into those works that both Jefferson and Hamilton did. And yeah. I think if we had more people like that, that would definitely help us out. Yeah. And that, that's a good point. Like the, I, I think like 
I said they, they didn't have like political, real political parties back then. Like, I mean, they had like the Federalists and like Republic, like the Jefferson, Jeffersonian Republicans. And it was, you know, starting to evolve, but it wasn't like, like the camps that we have today. And like you said, like they, they both had to like work together and argue it out, like in the, you know, in the president's office, <laughs> basically like the other thing that was interest is interesting about like, um, like parties is that when they talked, they talked a lot about faction back then. And like, if you read, um, some of the, some of the writings and you read like their, their, what they say about factions, like you're thinking, oh yeah, like that's like political parties today. Like these are different, like, you know, groups of people that you know, kind of like group together and have a similar platform and stuff. Um, but in a lot of cases, like the faction that they were worried about was like actually between the individual colonies themselves, because like the colonies all like viewed themselves as individual, almost like individual countries. And in some cases, like, like if you lived in one of the colonies, you would know more about England than you would know about like some of your neighbors. And so like, they're literally thinking like, well, like these, these like foreigners, <laughs> whatever down South, like these are the factions that we have to worry about. It's like, like, you know, so that like changed my thinking a little bit. Like when you think about like parties, like the, just at the time, it was such a different period. Like everything meant almost meant something something different than what we would take it to mean today. Like, you know, party, liberty, like all these words had completely different meanings to them than they do that even person. to us. So what? Yeah. Person. <laughs> <laughs> right. And yeah, obviously, but I like that. I like when you go deep, like studying it, like you start, it, it helps to understand the different, how things evolve to where they are today. And I hope, you know, hopefully looking back helps to make things better in the future. One can help. I guess that was our summer reading episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, is our, this is our common sense with honey badger episode. <laughs> next time, next time I'll have to get back to like actual technology and business. <laughs> All right. Well, um, this has been founder quest. And if you want to, I don't know, I don't know if I should ask people to rate us after this one. Cause it's kind of off topic. So like if you, if, if, you don't like the off topic thing, like don't rate us. But if you do go ahead and rate us at, you know, Apple podcasts, um, if you want to write for us, we still hire people to do blog posts and stuff. Go to honeybadger.io forward slash blog and look for the right for us link, read the whole thing and get in touch with me. And yeah, it was great talking with y'all. And I hope that, you know, you have a good apocalypse this week. Founder Quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360 degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word, where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. Founder Quest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.